0: Welcome on in to another episode of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. I am Colin. I have Jamie here as well with me. Today's featured guest is Kelsey Trainer, and we'll get to that conversation here in just a second. But Jamie, first, we have some housekeeping work to do. And since I went first last week, you get to go first this week with one big win. So tell us what's been happening in your world.
1: Yeah, it's been a busy kind of hectic week. So I've realized that I really like this exercise. I think it's kind of similar to gratitude because I was way <laughs> behind this week. So it was really challenging for me to come up with one big win. But then as I sat down and thought about it, uh, I have had a lot of exciting things going on. Um, I took a look at my books for August, well, my bookings for puppy prep. And I realized that over half of the bookings are from referrals, which feels like a huge, huge win for me. It's August is going to be my best month yet since I launched. And it's really exciting to see that that's not necessarily a result of marketing or Google ads, but really just word of mouth. So um, that's my big win for the week.
0: How inspiring a grassroots way to building your business before you know it, you're going to be the president of the United States. This is how Barack Obama (laughs) started. So I think that's what you have going for you. That's too funny.
1: What about you, Colin? What is your big win of the week?
0: Yeah, my big win is, so Stella, as most people know, celebrated her first birthday on Thursday. Major success, a lot of cake, good food. She had her first birthday party on Saturday. Again, awesome time. And it's cool to know that she's made it a year and hopefully she's got a lot of healthy years ahead of her as well. But I told Christine, my wife, when we were just sitting around on Thursday on her birthday, I was like, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit. It's been <laughs> a little bit of a crazy year with the pandemic. And I know everybody can use that excuse, but I think we've done pretty well, all things considered. I think we've raised a good little girl so far, very happy, very healthy uh, pretty smart too, from the way she's getting into things these days. So I just thought that was such a huge win to be able to reflect now one year and say, man, we, we did it. We got, we got through probably one of the hardest years, um, in general, and then throw the pandemic on top of it. So that's definitely my big win over the course of the past week and was happy to be able to celebrate it with Stella, celebrate with family and just have a good time, um, you know, looking, looking forward to birthday party number two already.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's definitely a win and a huge, huge milestone and accomplishment.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And so uh, I want to move us in then to talking a little bit about our lead up, I guess, to today's conversation with Kelsey. And so for people who don't know, Kelsey's a lawyer up in the Northeast, and um, she's also a huge social media influencer. Specifically, I follow her on Twitter. She is all about supporting women in sports and just supporting good people and good things in general, and she's got a number of initiatives and things that uh, she's doing as well, so please support Kelsey. Check her out. Show notes, information's all there for you as it is usual, but I thought what we could do, In terms of getting people ready for this episode, we shout out some other people who are influencers, whether it's in leadership or sports or entertainment, whatever way that they influence us. And I've got a few names here that I'll rattle off and then I'll let you go, Jamie. But my first person is uh, Kat Osterman, who uh, just pitched for Team USA in the Olympics and is getting ready to pitch her final season for the professional softball league Uh, She has a cool little daily dose of cat tweet that she puts out little inspirational, quick things. And um, I think she's really inspirational in general, in the sense that, um, you know, she's been playing softball for roughly 20 years, professional collegiate, you know, really high level softball. She's been playing that longer. Uh, since her childhood, but she's been a great goal, role model. And I think uh, she's somebody that will continue to be an ambassador for the game as she enters into retirement after this year. And, you know, somebody that I know if my daughter you know, ends up playing softball or something like that, will be able to look back on clips or um, see interviews with Kat and the leadership that she possessed and the way that she went about the game and just have a really good role model out of Kat. So that was my first person. My second person, is Kerry Washington. Uh, Kerry plays the role of Olivia Pope on Scandal, and that is one of my guilty pleasures. So now people know that. <laughs> uh, but Kerry is another one of those great social media influencers who stands up for everything that's right. Um, you know, in Scandal, they they always talk about wearing the white hat. And, like, Kerry literally takes that, I feel like, into her actual life um, and stands up um, and supports, you know, a lot of really important causes and uh, fights against uh, inequality and racism and, you know, all this stuff. Um, So she's a really great influencer that I have from uh, the entertainment field. And then my final shout out brings us back to sports and is Haley Rosen, who is the founder of Just Women's Sports Network. They have A podcast, a lot of other really cool collaborations, and her platform is all about elevating women and their platforms, which is like awesome. And the whole idea, like behind what I try to do with my podcast as well. And her network's way bigger than mine, and she's got some you know really big sponsors and partnerships and things like that. But I think what she's doing is so cool, and I think that more people you know, if more people thought in the way that she did, you know, supporting first attitude versus just, you know, always trying to get theirs first. Um, you know, maybe this world wouldn't be so divisive and uh, so crazy at times. So Haley, Carrie, Kat, thank you for being additional influencers, inspirational leaders uh, out there. Uh, you match up well with Kelsey, who we're going to lead into here in just a minute. But is there anyone, Jamie, that you have that you want to shout out? I know you're you're active more on the Instagram and the cooler things for the younger kids. So tell us what you got.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So many women that I personally look up to. So that's kind of where I went with this. Um, I have my cat in the background. Really sorry about that. You guys are going to hear <laughs> me now. get through a door. Um, but as far as the women who have really inspired me and kind of helped me into this journey of launching my own small business, um, one person that really stands out to me is a girl I went to acting class with. Her name is Katie Sands and she has a huge online social media platform called Honestly Kate. And it is, she's all about just living a very authentic life. She's very open about her, you know, um, struggles with anxiety and things like that, but that At the same time like she also is you know built this huge huge network of followers and has landed herself a spot as an amazon live style host so she's kind of been all over the place she's had features in tons of magazines uh she studied costume design i think in college then we studied together at the william esper studio in new york city um and she is also super involved in the community and is a huge huge part of the make-a-wish foundation up in new york city as well so um, she's always at their events and hosting events for them as well. So that's one person I have definitely looked up to over the years and kind of watched her journey, starting her own platform. Um, another person I don't know personally, but listen to her podcast is she did it her way. And that's the name of the podcast and it's Amanda Bolin and her podcast is fantastic. If anyone wants to check it out, it is all about truly empowering women to make the ultimate leave to entrepreneurship, but not even just that, just how to kind of make your dreams a reality. So she's very encouraging and does it in a very realistic way. It's not quit your job today and start your own thing. It's how can I incorporate doing something that I love while also maintaining that nine to five or doing what I need to do to pay my bills. So I really appreciate, you know, kind of the honesty behind that journey and how it, how it has to happen for a lot of people. So that I find really, really inspiring And then I also want to shout out someone that I'm hoping at some point, maybe I'll get to interview on the podcast is Haley Hillman. She went to high school with me. She, I don't even think she knows it, but I've been following her journey very closely through social media over the years. And she is just a powerhouse. She and her fiance own a training gym here in Charlotte. And she has talked really openly about their struggles through COVID and how to keep the lights on in their gym and how to keep business running. And then they're also very, very honest about their personal life and their personal struggles and eating and how to maintain a healthy balance and the struggles in the past and where it's led her today. Um, So she's someone who I for sure look up to and I think is really inspiring, not just a woman, but anyone. Um, So Haley Hellman is, you know. Definitely influential to me. And I think a lot of people would get a lot out of her content and her journey as well.
0: Awesome shout outs. And all six of you, if you heard these shout outs for whatever reason, listen to our little podcast. We want to interview you. So come on, be (laughs) part of the show. (laughs) Come join the fun. And I think we always try to leave everybody on a high note. And I think leading into this episode with Kelsey, what you can take away from what we just did, this little exercise and shouting out influencers on social media is know that social media can be used for a lot of good. There's a lot of toxicity out there on social media and it can be extremely draining and emotional. I get it, but there's a lot of great people like Kelsey trainer. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Kelsey and Jamie and I will talk to you next week. Okay, everyone. I am here today with Kelsey Trainor. Let's try that again. Okay, everyone, I am here today with Trainor. Kelsey. Trainor. I mean, honestly, Trainor. I don't even
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> we it's
0: it's it's so, how it happens. I mean, sometimes it rolls off the tongue, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. We we talk a lot, so
2: it's I uh, mean, that's how it's spelled. Trainor, right? you know. You're not wrong.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, Kelsey is is here today. Kelsey is a Lawyer, producer, writer, actor. She's currently the VP of Business Legal Affairs at Abrams Media. What I like to call a high performer, if we just want to put it simply. And actually, Kelsey, that's where I want to start our conversation today. You and I, we got connected via social media, Twitter, specifically. If you're not already following Kelsey, do it right now. The energy that you put out to fight the good fight you know good trouble, whatever you want to call it. Where does that come from? like how do you how do you do that on a day to day basis and make the kind of impact that you've made?
2: Um, you know, I think that I was originally very hesitant to, right? I'm a lawyer. Um, And so I always choose my words like very carefully. Um, And when I started like practicing law, even I wouldn't really tweet about much aside from like donuts and, you know, pizza, (laughs) just things that I enjoyed, but really nothing kind of controversial, if you will. Um, And then I got to the point and I was like, you can't be like your authentic self without like standing up for something. Um, and being a lawyer, and probably one of the reasons I am one, is like always had this, just like anything with a, a sense of injustice um, just kills me, like so much to the point where I'm like OCD about it. So if something like, we, we have this this term in, in the law, it's like, you know, the four corners. So if something on the four corners of a piece of paper as written just looks off, then it is off, right? Like, I don't know why we have to get into like the, the back and forth of the... Um, of kind of why it's off and so there's so much out there in especially in the women's sports space in terms of like equity and fairness that just is wrong on the face of it that I was like I can't not say something and so that's kind of where it comes from how I have the energy for it um, you know who knows I think it's a nice break from my day job which is the law <laughs> um, and it's just you know speaking on things that I'm passionate about and that I have researched. I, I also being a lawyer, I, I really won't speak on stuff that I'm not knowledgeable on. You'll, you'll definitely see me avoid topics that I don't, I haven't done my proper kind of research or, or anything on. So um, yeah, the idea, the, uh, the energy to tweet all day is somebody's got to do it. So, you know, <laughs> well be me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you have way more energy than I do for that. It's, it can be, it can be exhausting to just try to get a Point across, but to like try to change people's mind, try to build a, you know, personal brand, if you will, or bring more awareness to a cause, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do via social media. And, and I, one of the reasons that I originally followed you, you know, whenever it was two, three years ago, I like the lawyer spin that you can put on things. But the, the reason I like it is because you know, most times when you interact with, with lawyers or, you know, people who are super smart, it's like kind of like reading a textbook or, or listening to a textbook. It, you just like, at least for me, my eyes glaze over and you're able to, you know, put things out there in a way that's relatable, I think, to more of the general public, like in a, in, a, in a way that a good communicator, like I think about FDR when he used to do those fireside chats and it was like, you know, he was a well-educated person, but he was trying to reach the masses with his communication. And I think, you know, maybe that's some of the key to, Um, you being able to accomplish all you have is uh, your relatability as much as, you know, the smarts that you bring to the conversation.
2: Yeah. I mean, I will say like, you know, the law is boring. Um, (laughs) It's nobody. And it's, and it uses a lot of big words that aren't necessary. Right. Um, And that's like, there's a pretentiousness to it that is probably put in place by a bunch of people who want to seem more important than they are. Um, so I don't find a lot of the oh, all interesting. Now, obviously I went to school for a good amount of time to to figure out what it says, but I think that it, 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 there's parts of it that like matter to people and like the, the, always the question like that I ask and that I want to get across to people is like, so what does this actually mean? Right? Like, here's what it says, but like, what does this actually mean? Like practically. Um, and so That's what I try to do. And I also like wanted to carve out that sports law niche, right? Like you don't really see a lot of women lawyers in the sports law space doing that. I always like, I I consider Jay Billis a mentor and a friend. And I think he does it great. Like he's a lawyer um, and he explains stuff in a way that's relatable. That's funny. You know, that's, you know, people care about because people don't care. Like you said about the textbook definitions of stuff. And also another like little fun secret like most lawyers are not a good time like they're not fun. They're not like interesting people. So I will like totally toot my own horn here is like I think I'm like, okay, (laughs) Um, I think I'm like one of the, you know, I'm not like a regular lawyer. I'm like a cooler, you know, I have a bit more of a personality than than just reading uh, some textbooks. So You know, I just try to like carve that space and it's not hard because it's like something I enjoy doing. Um, It's hard to read contracts all day long. It's not hard to like read through stuff that impacts people like equal pay Mm -hmm. um, or athletes rights or anything like that. So I was an athlete myself. It interests me. I know it interests some other people, not everybody. And at the end of the day, like I'm not trying to get into arguments and change like Twitter trolls minds because I just won't. But what I am trying to do is make more, it's like the Socratic method is based on this. It's, it's to bring more people like aware of things that they don't even know that they don't know, right? Sure. Like that's like what it's for is like, you don't even know that you don't even know it exists versus you don't really know much about it, but you know it exists. And that's what I try to do like with women's sports and any of the issues arising there is like, all right, maybe you don't know the details of it, but just by kind of publishing it more and getting it out there more, at least you're aware that the issue is exists again, you still don't know anything about it, but it just brings it more into the awareness. And I, I found at least, you know, some people, especially a, a, a men that I know are like, yeah, I never even realized or thought about it. Um, so that's my mission.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and uh, I think it speaks really well to your energy management and you know, what we started talking about. I mean, if you're spending all your time trying to uh, trolls are going to be trolls, right? You, you can't change that, but you, you focus on those high impact energy items and that's why you can make the impact that you're making is, is because what the work that's going into it is bringing that awareness versus, you know, you spending three hours in your, your DMS trying to <laughs> you know, change the mind of somebody who's just, who literally just wants to play with your mind all day long.
2: Yeah, the mute button is a very powerful tool. Um, It's not even the block button because I don't even want anybody to have the satisfaction that, like, I went out of my way to, like, you know, make sure that I can never see their content and they can never see mine. Uh, The mute button is great because people just will scream into the internet this, and I will have no idea. I'll just remain completely unbothered. Um, so yeah, the the mute button is, is a good friend of mine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. So you you started to build a little bit more of your background there for us growing up in athletics and that's kind of brought you to what we're going to talk about maybe a little bit more here in elevating a platform for women in sports. So I saw that you played basketball, you were captain, played field hockey and golf in college, you know, as far as, um, athletics go, I mean, Um, You know, what did did you get out of the athletic experience that you think you've been able to translate now into your career as as a lawyer and as a social media influencer?
2: Yeah, Um, you know, honestly, when I was playing sports, I was such an athlete that I never noticed or cared about like any of the inequalities or anything that I kind of harp on today. It, It wasn't even on my radar. I was always about like improving, you know, being out on the playground by myself, doing drills and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I do admit that a lot of the stuff, uh, I talk about, I've learned, you know, in, in more recent years, um, but as an athlete, I mean, it just teaches you like the same stuff that, that like, you know, you, you learn how to win, you learn how to lose, uh, you learn how to be the best at something and how to not be the best at something to work together with people. And it's just those intangible skills. I mean, when I was like interviewing in law school, the Dean called me his um, what was the word kindred spirit like I was just interviewing (laughs) with him and he had been a dean for Rutgers which won a, a national championship the year before and I played sports and just because of that sports connection and just knowing that the ins and outs and the work that goes into it you know it was just an instant connection and I mean for better or for worse probably got me into law school you know I think it just teaches you those intangible things that Um, any athlete knows and you either learn from them or you don't but I'd like to think that I like learned a bit of uh, how to uh, like a how-to guide just of life
0: yeah yeah well and what's really interesting you know I've had uh, over 150 of these recorded conversations and countless others off the record and you you hear all the time that sports teaches you this it teaches you that and I think you know, you and I both know, yeah, it's one thing to be taught something, but it's another thing to like actually apply it to your life or to um, figure out that it doesn't work for you for whatever reason. And sometimes that's because of adversity that you've had to overcome, or it's just a realization that you weren't as aware, like you were talking about it, maybe some of the inequalities and things like that, that existed uh, when you and I were both growing up or around the same age. So, you know, in terms of, uh Taking it to the next level, you know, where you've been able to apply some of those key elements that you that you've learned. Are there one or two that really stick out to say, like, you know, that that's how you got through law school. Like, that's how you got to uh, you're such you're such a leader at this point. You know, not just I know I keep talking about Twitter and social media, but you know, it's, it's a real thing. And I, I don't think you get there by accident and have the type of positive, healthy influence that you have.
2: I think two things that I think have taken with me to be that carried over from sports is one of them is like, I always played mostly team sports. Um, And like to play team sports at a successful level, which, you know, as a, as a young kid and into my high school and college years, I was, you have to like understand how people work and the dynamics of people and egos and, you know, what people are dealing with. Um, And I think that I have always pride, like, Prided myself on being a people person. And I think that comes from like the team level of like dealing with this personality, that personality. And at the end of the day, just making sure that everything merged so that we could win or, or, you know, work together successfully. Um, So I carry that over, I think, now into just life. And I think that's one of the things I am good at is connecting people and networking and, and making. Um, making people feel welcome, right? Because if you're on a team and you have people that don't feel welcome or, like, they can be who they are, they're not going to perform well. They're not going to, like, want to pass you the ball and, like, dumb stuff like that. (laughs) So that's something that I definitely pride myself on now that that sports has helped me with. And then another thing is after I played, um, I coached a D3 uh, college basketball, women's basketball, And that was like probably one of the best experiences for me because it was like playing Monday morning quarterback to my career, like my career as an athlete and just getting to see things like not from a player's perspective, but from like that sideline view of like, wow, I could have done this differently. I could have done that differently as a player. Mm -hmm. Um, And then how to like teach a player to, to, to correct all of the things I would have done differently. And so I think in life now in work, law school, I am more cognizant of like putting in the work in the details because that matters. Whereas at a young age, I was like, I just want to ball. I just want to hoop. But I understand like that the little like things that I wasn't maybe doing correctly or practicing correctly matter to like, take you to that next level. Um, So I try to do that now. So we'll see if it works out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think the, the work ethic is, is one of the key ones that stands out to me and, um, you know, allows you to really have, that's what differentiates, you know, high performer from, you know, just the average person, like being able to put in that work, you know, grind it out a little bit. Like, obviously there's, there's a limit to all of these things where maybe the return you're looking for isn't quite as High as we're we're looking to get it, but uh, there's also something to be said. I think about the the world where we just we just try to you know we we hope things fall into our laps, or um, you know we're hoping other people will will do it for us. And you, know, you taking that work ethic and um, you know applying that over the course of the last you know 12 to 15 years. Um, It does make you think like, (laughs) had you had that work ethic when you were younger, like what else you you could have accomplished, but at the same time, you know, probably pretty grateful that you're able to do it now.
2: Yeah, and I think like I see these athletes who are like great, right? The great athletes, the GOATs as we call them, they give up their lives for sport, right? And like, you see that now as a young kid and, and growing up, I wanted to be that, but now in my old age, I guess, I, I'm so glad that my life is what it is. Like I have balance. I have, you know, I don't miss family, you know, events or births or anything like that. And these, these great athletes, you know, Diana Taurasi and, you know, LeBron James, Sue Bird, they'll all tell you that that's exactly what you have to do. The sacrifices you have to make. So, um, you know, at some point I am, you know, would it be nice to be, you know, maybe a a um, multi-millionaire? Sure. Uh, have a few Olympic medals, sure. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, glad that I learned that lesson too of what I didn't want um, at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really important piece to it all. And so we've talked a little bit about this. And I think the biggest thing that you do with your platform is you make it an elevating platform for other women, mainly in sports, but, uh, you know, uh, women in, in particular. And I'm wondering, you know, you mentioned not maybe having the awareness that you did when you were younger about some of these issues that you bring awareness to now. What were some of those moments or what was there one moment in general that you said, like, OK, I need to not only step up and speak up about this, but I need to get more educated in order to have the type of conversations and make the impact that I'm trying to make.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, I'm a firm believer, like in life when it costs you, like, especially monetarily, like when it costs you $0 to do something, to show support or to show people that you value them and you don't do it like that says more about you than, you know, a lot of other things will ever say. So right? Like resharing, retweet, retweeting, posting people's stuff quite literally cost me nothing but a fraction of my time. So if it's, if I'm available, I'm going to do it. And then I just like, there was a moment, I think I was, um, if anyone's familiar, there was a place called the union league in Philadelphia. And it's one of the oldest private clubs in the United States. It was founded after Abraham Lincoln for when he gave his uh, inaugural address in, in, uh, Philadelphia or something when he came to Philadelphia. So it's this like very fancy hoity-toity club in like the center of Philadelphia. And I had a law firm boss who took me there. And all I could figure out is, right, it was all these high, powerful, like people, figures in in politics and law and whatever. And it just like, it was the epitome of the boys club, right? And while they compete with each other in court or in business or anything like that, the end of the day they're all still sitting in that club drinking together sharing information sharing stories having that camaraderie and I was just like we don't have this to the same effect in the world of, of women right for, for a number of different reasons but I just like decided at that point in time that I was not going to be a part of that and that I was going to build other women up and you know understand that the reason there hasn't been some, so many seats at the table for so long um, is again, for a number of reasons, but um, it's because we've been conditioned to think that there's really only a seat or two at the table for a woman, right. And that the whole table couldn't be ours. Um, So that's kind of like my thinking in supporting other women and, and doing or saying whatever, you know, I do say in that area and then you just find like your tribe right like you find the other women and the people in the space and and male allies um who do the same thing and it's like it has nothing to do with wanting credit or anything like that it's just genuine good people wanting to see other people succeed and especially in the women's sports space it's it's been pretty fun I, I I know um like uh Ariel Chambers and um Erica Ayala um Jackie Powell there's just a bunch of people who like just have my back no matter what um and, and vice versa so I, I love it it's been fun
0: yeah and I can imagine um given all of the fun that you've been uh, met with some resistance probably from men in from women um, depending on you know what what the actual topic is and you know maybe this is where the adversity in sports that you you know have to learn how to win and lose or when to move on or you know whatever it is um you know ha- has that has that been you know anything that you just thought you know some days it's just not worth it or is it for the most part like you said just more of a, a really supportive uh, tribe that you've been able to develop?
2: no, I mean, it's, it's exhausting. And there's like, you know, there's been experiences where I thought like, you know, there's a few pretty high profile, like men in the women's sports space who are like supportive and this or that. And, you know, there was a few scenarios where I I came to realize that they weren't supportive. They were just gatekeepers. Like they had this platform or they had this like, you know, thing set up where there was no choice for for like a bunch of women wanting opportunity to kind of like go through that. Um, But at the end of the day, they were just holding them back and they were just taking opportunities and making the women think that, you know, without them, those opportunities wouldn't exist. Well, without, you know, maybe some guy in that space blocking opportunities, (laughs) maybe some more could exist. Um, So yeah, it's exhausting. And I think it's like a trial and trial and error with like people who you surround yourself with, you know, there'll be people in any space or any parts of life who, you know, you think are cool, you think are successful, whatever. Um, And then you learn either they're, they are great people or um, that they're not. And then I think that's, you know, as you age, you just surround yourself with, with those people and the rest kind of just are time, time periods and time pieces in in your, uh, your life or your career.
0: Yeah. In terms of, um, you know, maybe getting people, more awareness and more education obviously you're you're a follow and you'll be in the show notes but is there anyone else that you would recommend you know to get a follow on twitter instagram whatever social media i mean it's great because it can connect us all um anyone else that you would you know point out to to say hey give this person a follow they they got some real great content out there
2: yeah uh bria felician and uh she runs the, the black sports women uh social media account and i mean She is actually one of the first people, if you go back and you look at the campaign of Kelly Loeffler uh, and the connection with the the WNBA, Mm -hmm. she's one of the first people, I think it was in the Atlanta journal to profile, like what was actually happening and why Kelly Loeffler was speaking the way that she was, because she had uh, basically tied, you know, a primary type vote and the then president at the time wouldn't, support or endorse her. So she needed his campaign base. Like she spelled everything out in ways that nobody was looking at, especially the women's basketball community. Um, and so then she's also just going ahead and like educating all of us on so many black, um, especially women athletes who have never got the recognition or the credit they deserve um, and telling their stories. And it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's like my favorite thing when I see on Twitter um, and when it, the, the stories show up in my inbox from her newsletter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a really powerful one to point out. I'll, I'll make sure I will put her handle in the show notes for people too. Uh, that's that is that is a great follow. And uh, Kelsey, so you mentioned your t-shirt campaign. Uh, well, um, you, you brought up the the connection, I guess, to the t-shirt campaign. I'm I'm connecting the dots here, and so um, I would love to do a couple things with that uh, because it's been a really impactful campaign, and uh, myself supporting it. I would love to first have give you an opportunity to tell people a little bit what it's about and how you can uh, get involved with it uh, and then i want to do a little bit of a deep dive um, maybe for someone who's trying to com- uh, try to put together their, a campaign of their own you know what comes first do you need to connect with people do you need to have a really great product to uh, support like h- how do you go about identifying something to be as successful as you've been with this
2: yeah so uh the campaign actually started because I would see the campaign run by the the women of the W um, bet on women, right? Which is great. I love it. It's done so much amazing work, but people kept like posting it and saying it. And to me, there's a risk associated with a bet. And like, I just couldn't stand everybody posting bet on women when it's not a bet. Like women are a sure thing. And if they're not, like they should be invested in and hired and promoted and everything the same way that men are, right? Men are allowed to to fail. You know, they're allowed to get jobs and do horrible at them. And then they still get another job. I mean, just look at half of the NBA coaches. Um, And so it it all kind of uh, spurred from a tweet that I said, you know, I was like, listen, I love it all, but I can't wait for the day when it changes from bet on women to invested women, pay women, hire women. Those are like actually actionable things that can be done and there's no risk associated with it because words matter. Um, So that's kind of how it all started. And then again, just like tying it all back into like networking and connections and knowing people. Um, I had been working with Aaron Kane, who's an agent for WNBA players uh, like Elena Deladon and Enrique and Nafisa Collier, and she's like, my athletes work with this company, Power Forward, run by Luke Bonner, and I think we should take this to them, because it's something that I think is a message that's universal, and you're the one who's been saying it the most. I'm not the first person to say it. I won't be the last. Um, And talked with them, and they had only done pro athletes. You know, it's like Sue Bird, Maya Moore, NBA players, et cetera, are the only people who have done it. Um, And they're like, let's try it. Let's just see if it works. Um, you know, I don't have a big platform like those athletes, but I think I have a, you know, solid following or, or a committed platform, I guess you could say. Um, so they took that, the design, like the whole process of just designing it was just pretty simple. It just wanted the message to be clear. Um, and once we got it out, it was just, it was great. It was a huge success. And, you know, we kind of tapped into that women's sports space and captured that kind of whole area. But then I had sent it to Ennis Cantor, who's a a friend of mine, and he wore it. And then CJ McCollum had tweeted about it. And that took it away from the women's sports space into just like a broader market. Um, And purchases and orders were just through the roof uh, from that. I think it just goes to show you like the message is the message. And also, you know, the proceeds from it go to Black Girl Hockey Club, which is an organization that, works to ensure that more black girls get opportunity uh, to play hockey um so you know that's kind of how it all came to be and you know so far it's been fun you know we're just we're just uh, we have kid sizes now and you know i think we're gonna need like baby sizes and slides and all that fun stuff so it's just been fun i think they're gonna make the announcement soon about the amount um of our first quarter donation to uh to black girl hockey club, but it's going to be a pretty decent amount.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's so cool to see, uh, you know, whether they're celebrities or uh, just a normal person like me wearing the t-shirts and everybody takes a picture, sends it to you, you retweet it. So you get to see them all. I mean, these random locations that you <laughs> never think. And, and someone's like, Oh, I saw someone with your t-shirt. So, uh, I just think it's, it's so cool. And, um, I'm sure, like you said, uh, the impact, uh, economically will, will be, um, you know, very, very good number. And you'll continue to, um, do some, some really great things there too. And I guess for the the last thing I'd like to talk about, and this just came up organically because of something you said, and it's uh, triggered me to think about this. Um, I I wrote about in my book, uh, Culture of Excellence, I wrote pretty extensively about Joe Torrey. It's a book centered on the Yankees and uh, Joe Torrey is a prominent Yankee figure. And uh, he's one of those individuals where um, you just talked about a male um, who had a pretty crummy uh, experience as a manager three different times before he got hired as the manager of the Yankees. And, um, you know, Joe is, uh, yeah, I think he's he's a great person. He's a Hall of Famer deservedly so. And he's you know, he's often talked about how the only reason he took the job with the Yankees is because they had a team that was ready to win. And and it's almost in a way where he was saying that, like, anybody could have managed that team and they would have done well, Would they have done as well as he did. You know, that that's up for debate. But um, he wasn't saying that, like anything he had done in the past proved that he was capable of, of doing any better or anything like that. But he kept getting shots. You know, he's a white male and, um, you know, played baseball and, and, you know, the boys club that, that you talked about earlier. And that's why he kept getting opportunities. And I remember having this conversation with my wife when we were talking about diversity in baseball and how you know you don't see that, you know, particularly for um, black uh, managers or any type of coaches. They, they don't get that type of opportunity. And I'm wondering, you know, have you started to see because I feel like you have a, a better beat on this, you know, especially in the women's sports. Have you started to see that tide shift at all where like, OK, we've we've cycled through all these males now let's let, let's look into females because you know they're they're just as qualified maybe some of them are even more qualified i mean i can think of you know some coaching searches in the nba that are going on right now with some pretty high profile people and who knows if they'll be hired or not by the time this episode comes out but have you seen the tide turning where you know maybe maybe a joe tory whether it's right or wrong doesn't get that type of opportunity because you know we see we see a female or we see you know an, uh underrepresented Uh, person in general uh, get that opportunity whereas in the past it was mostly traditionally white males
2: I think it's like I have a twofold answer and I don't think immediately I don't think it's really changed that much Um, if you look at women's sports like in the WNBA I think it's five out of 12 teams have women head coaches Uh, if you look at the NWSL it's like what one out of 10 or 12 however many teams there are um, so, like that's just within the women's sports space, right? So it's like, and you look to college and women's basketball and Gino, and you know, as soon as like, especially college, like right, like when all the women's teams like st- started to be a money maker, you had started seeing less women head coaches and more men because they wanted those positions. So I don't think we're there yet. um, and I, I haven't seen honestly much change. Um I think we're starting to call it out more, like publicly. Like, you know, every time there's a new hire, I remember the the WNBA, like they hired Walt Hopkins to, for the Liberty. And it's like, great. sure he's a great guy, but he had no experience. He coached under Cheryl Reeve, who was like, I think surprised that he even got the job. And it's like your prime market. And how do we not have, like, how are we still hiring like other white dudes in the women's sports space in a league of like 80% black women? So that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is like, I think even too, once we see more women getting hired for any position, whether it's in women's sports or men's sports, it's going to be the same thing of like when a black man is hired. It's like, if they don't succeed, then they're not going to get another opportunity. They don't have that that kind of room for error and that opportunity to fail like men do. Sure. Um, I think like one of those jobs is like uh, trailblazers, I think is like, Becky Hammond and Don Staley, but like Mike D'Antoni's up for it. Like what, like how many opportunities does he need? Right. Right. In, in any space. Uh, but Becky Hammond hasn't had one yet. And it's, 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 it's almost scary because once she gets an opportunity, which I think she will at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, if she's not successful, it's going to be like a whole, I told you so moment. She can't do it yeah. or this or that. When in reality, it should be like, great how many what is the percentage of coaches who succeed and win national championships uh it's like a very low percent most coaches lose right Mm -hmm. because only one team can win a year so i don't think much has changed but i do think we're being like maybe a bit more kind of public and outraged about it
0: sure so my last follow-up then i i promise i'll let you go after this do you think it's important for you know let's just take becky um because you mentioned her do you think like to change that tide to really, you know, not just give women the opportunity to be a head coach or to be a leader of an organization, but to give them multiple opportunities, do we need like a Becky and to get a role in a traditional male organization like the NBA where that exposure reaches just places that, you know, the w- WNBA just can't do right now or, you know can we have someone come through the ranks of of the w or of the national women's soccer league and have some you know crazy good success like some of the the women's coaches in college do for example and that elevate things or do, I, I, I i grapple with this all the time that's why i'm asking you and I, and I do wonder like does a woman need to dominate in the nba in order for them to like oh okay that that makes sense or in major league baseball or you know whatever the the league may be Um,
2: right right yeah Yeah. I think the question like is uh, kind of like that ties into it is like is male validation like the measure of success for a woman coach and like it's it's actually a very valid question um practically speaking um it shouldn't be but like in reality it might be and listen I think it's the same thing like the same way that like your keyboard warriors are always like the ones criticizing women's sports when they've never played or they can't, you know, leave the floor two inches. Um, all of these athletes in the NBA, like they know and respect women athletes and women coaches. Like it's not a thing for the people who actually have the talent. Um, at least anymore. Maybe it was, but I, I think you're just seeing like all of these players, Dirk Dirk Nowitzki wrote a great players' tribune article about it. he's like, Becky Hammond can coach right? Or was it? Yeah, I think it was Dirk. Um, but it was basically like Becky Hammond can coach she does. I'm not saying she can coach for well for a woman. I'm saying she can flat out coach basketball. Yeah. And the argument of like, well, you know, how's it going to be in the locker room or this and that it's like, that's actually not an argument that any athlete that is like, like, it doesn't even cross their minds, because there's a level of respect of like, you know, you have men's and women's bathrooms in a stadium. Like, what's the difference? Um, so I think that's just kind of like a red herring. And I think that, you know, I think it would be a very good thing for for Becky Hammond to succeed. But, you know, I will, I will be happy for the day when Becky Hammond or anybody else like her can get a job, perform average and still get another job yeah, uh, and still get paid a good amount of money. That's my goal uh, because I would love to, to, to live that, you know, average existence that so many white males do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's crazy. You know, to th- uh, growing up, I, I never had the awareness either, um, you know, whether it was uh, females, whether any type of minority and, um, you know, so I'm so glad there's people like you out there to bring more awareness because I, I really do think that's going to help change, you know, significantly change how things are, you know, 20, 30 years from now. And um, do we wish it could happen sooner, of course, but I, I do think it's it's going to change and, and I'm hopeful that, you know, especially people like my daughter uh, will, will have better opportunities as a result of that. So uh, if you haven't done it already, please go follow Kelsey on Twitter. Uh, check out I'll put the link to your campaign in the show notes as well check that out get some nice swag I'm wearing a shirt right now it's super comfortable Uh, but Kelsey thank you so much for taking the time today it was great to talk to you glad we finally got a chance to do this and um, can't wait to see the great things that you continue to do here in the future
2: yeah I appreciate it thanks for, for having me on and best of luck